everyone. Welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. All right. Looks like we are recording. Frank, welcome to my house and welcome to the Everyman BJJ podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. It's nice to be here in the Casa de Noah. Thank you. Las uh, well, Vegas, Las Vegas welcome. Nevada. Welcome. Um, First time we've ever shot live together. So this, it's historic, historic. No masks. No masks. There's no social distancing here. In effect, um, you know, I think that you and I both um, have pretty strong immune systems, and so um, and we kind of monitor who we're around and wear masks in public. So um, this is a unique uh, podcast or episode today. So. Um, there'll be a little bit of adjustments here. Uh, we're even starting a different time today. Um, got the opportunity um, to uh, have my afternoon to work on some things uh, and building up my tax practice. And so I'm going to do a lot of work um, with uh, sitting at that firm. So with that, um, uh, you know, uh, we've, we just came off of the heels of UFC 254. And um, uh, quite a quite a historic uh, moment there to go twenty nine and zero in a in a professional career. That's amazing, and you know um, it takes a lot of uh, from anyone just to compete at the professional level. But for someone um, at that at that level who uh, decides that their why has changed. And and why they want to continue to fight has changed. And um, that can be something that is either comes from within or from without, outside of them, uh, with uh, something of a life change. And I think that in this case, uh, we have where uh, Kibi's father obviously passed away. And so uh, you told me before we got on that uh, you had some thoughts about that. So I wonder to hear what your thoughts are about um, the passing of his father and his decision and how that fits into what you and I talk about on the, on this um, broadcast about uh, the importance of your why. And um, if I can read from my notes here, um, I think there's a force ism here that I'll let you introduce because this is a, or, or you repeat because you've said it before. Yeah. So I guess I had said this in our previous conversation last week, I think, which was uh, we go as far as our sense of purpose and our sense of meaning carry us. So meaning we, we max out to our potential. The, obviously, the stronger, the stronger our why, the stronger our sense of meaning, the stronger our sense of purpose, the, uh, the further we, we climb. And I was thinking of Khabib last night. I should have done – I should have – I was going to write like a medium.com post on this. I just, this week was, was just so slammed and so much, so busy and travel. And what I wanted to talk because Khabib's father had died earlier this year. I guess his dad had had some other underlying health issues and then he got COVID as well. So COVID was from what I read in like ESPN.com and others, COVID was a contributor, but he had some other underlying causes and so Khabib Nurmagomedov, for those of you who don't know him, if you're not in the MMA space, that's okay. We want you to watch anyway because we think that what we do on this podcast transcends 
You don't have to be a diehard jujitsu player or a diehard fight fan to enjoy or benefit from what we talk about. There's there are transcendent universal themes, larger themes. We just use fighting and jujitsu as a prism to illuminate larger life themes, things we will all encounter off the mat in life. And so with Khabib, his dad dies. And his dad was really, that was the one there in Dagestan. He's in Russia, Dagestan, the region that produces so many great fighters. They raised them like that. They raised tough kids. They raised little warriors. And his dad was really central. His dad was the catalyst for like, hey, you're, let me teach you how to be a man. Let me teach you how to be a warrior. Let me teach you wrestling. Let me let you wrestle bears. It's okay if you wrestle bears, right? Not the complete antithesis of a helicopter parent, right? This is a guy who's like, my kid wants to wrestle a bear, he can wrestle a bear, right? No one's going to tell him. I'm the only one who can tell him not to, and I say he can. So his father had been there for his journey. Khabib Nurmagomedov, 29-0 in professional cage fighting at the highest level, is a phenomenal feat. You have to put him in the discussion among the best of all time. Might be the best of all time. I mean, I think, I think sometimes Khabib gets penalized because he's not as flashy as, say, Anderson Silva or as dynamic as a John Jones. He's not big, right? There's also been a big man bias in fight sports for a long time where people just love the heavyweight division. They love the power. When they see smaller guys like even Demetrius Johnson, the problem is because they're small, a lot of people just think, well, I could, well, I could kick his butt. He's smaller than me. Yeah, he's tough and he's fast, but I could kick his butt. Right? He's bigger. And even Khabib. Khabib doesn't look as big in person. Like He's one of those guys where if you were in front of him, if you had to wrestle him, they'd be like, oh, my gosh. But it's not always visibly transparent. You don't always watch him and just be – it's not the most awesome thing you've seen unless you understand fighting, right? If you're just a regular person, it doesn't have all the flash and pizzazz. He kind of grows on you fight by fight, and you realize, oh, my gosh, it's really hard to do what he does. He's got to be just so smotheringly incredibly strong. But anyway – with the point of when his dad died, something, an alarm bell went off inside me, uh, Noah, that when Khabib's dad died and he has this fight against Justin Gaethje, and Justin Gaethje is as dangerous an opponent as, as Khabib's ever faced. He really is. He matches up. He's got, I've met Justin Gaethje. I've written about him. He has one of the highest knockout ratios of any, you know, major elite fighter in the sport. Khabib, I mean, you know, Justin has... You put him against all-time greats in KO ratio, he's up there. He's up there really high, Justin Gaethje. He's got that, that death tag. He'll put you out. He's, got, he's of a, a, a copper miner lineage. So his family were copper miners. And you shake his hand. I've shaken Justin Gaethje's hand. It's, it's a big, heavy hand. Just his hands alone are heavy. They're heavier than normal hands for guys in that division. His hands are just heavy. He hits you. So... Gaethje's very dangerous. This is a fight where a lot of people thought, well, maybe this is the guy that gets Khabib, or maybe this is the guy with the best shot. Him and Ferguson, people would have thought Gaethje and, and Tony Ferguson would be the toughest matchups. Um, and coming in the fight, I just had that red flag. I, 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 like, I've seen this story before. I've seen this story. I know how it ends. I've seen the story where there's a pro fighter going into a title fight and someone they love dies, and how do they perform? Because that's always the big X factor, right? The X factor is you're usually, usually you're, you're, you have some adversity. All of us usually, once you're 25, 30, 35, 40, the older you get, the more adversity you encounter. I mean, you know, you're young, your parents shelter us sometimes. 
But by the time you're mid thirties, 40, 45, life has tested you. It's beaten you up. It's busted you up. People have died on, on people. There's adversity. So this is the biggest adversity we've had. I've seen this story. Someone dies on it. I'm like, my, again, not scientific. We don't have scientific data. We just have a, a, a data in my brain, right? 30 some years of fighting experience, boxing, MMA, jujitsu, wrestling, all, you know, thousands of training sessions, thousands of matches I've watched. I'm computing thousands of stories I've processed in the fight space. I'm like, okay, someone dies on a fighter. What does that almost always do to performance? It improves. It improves the, uh, the, we would think it's, it's almost counterintuitive. We would normally think that someone would be so despondent, so down that a death would hurt their performance, would hamper their performance. It's not the case. It is. It's like that channeling. We talk about a lot here, taking that fuel, whether it be anger, whether it be angst, whether it be hurt, whether it be, you want to prove people wrong, whether it be the hate of other people when you, again, you want to prove them wrong. There is this fuel of someone dying on you. Because this might have been the best Khabib we've ever seen. He made quick and fairly easy work of Justin Gaethje. And he made, that's that's about as, no one's ever done that, you know, to Gaethje like that. Oh, I got to admit, I did not, I haven't seen the fight. Yep. So um, you're spoiling it for me and I know it's coming. But let me go ahead and ask a couple questions here, um, which is, uh, you know, I expected, um, and when I watched the fight, what I'm going to be looking for, even though it's already occurred, um, and by the way, we got to talk about this. Um, you know, um, I got, I, I came downstairs yesterday and I sat down on my laptop and I'm like, oh, let me just see, you know, what time the fight going on. I think it comes on a little earlier today. And... Thanks a lot, Google News. <laughs> uh, you know, results. You know, I'm like, I, wait, no, no. You know, and, and, and I'm seeing the results of what's happened. And I'm like, no, I don't want to know that this has already happened. But what I wanted to see was I wanted to see um, the consistency of uh, Gaethje's, uh, uh, you know, I, I talk about that lead that lead, you know, pushing off with that lead punch, you know, lead punch, lead punch. Jim. Yeah. Just, you know, push, pushing off with it, getting, you know, getting in there, working in there where he's jabbing his way into something, what jabbing his way into his combos, jabbing his way into his kicks. So I'm looking, I'm still even, even though the fights already happened, I'm looking forward to consuming the fight, you know, to watch and see how it happens. Um, and and because all I've seen so far is all I saw on Twitter was uh, uh, Gaethje is is out cold, and um, uh, I see I see uh, Khabib uh, kneeling on kneeling or yeah kneeling and just giving thanks. But to take all that aside, let's just push all that aside right now and uh, go into what you're saying about. Um, how that doesn't affect, you know, it doesn't affect his performance in a negative way. Because think about it like this. You've got, you know, when, when a fighter goes and they step into the ring and, or in the octagon, and that's only for, uh, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, uh, 15 minutes, et cetera, or however long it lasts. Uh, that's just the, that's just the tip of the iceberg. 
Okay. Because what's underneath the surface is, is the whole 90% of it. And that whole 90% of it was on his training camp. But back up before that, he had his time of mourning, you know, and um, um Muslim. And in the Muslim faith, um, you know, they approach, uh, uh, they approach mourning, you know, they uh, typically in Muslim faith, um, the body is buried by, uh, you know, by sunset or by sunrise the next day. You know, it, it, this happens pretty quickly, you know. So then they have a, it's a very formalized approach to mourning. Whereas in other, you know, in, in different religions, you know, each one has its own, but he's a very, fairly religious person. So, uh, you know, there was a, there was a, a bit of, uh, you know, funeral as ceremony and remembrance. And there's a more of a, maybe there's a, and that's an obvious an end to his father's life, but not an end to his legacy. Uh, so that's and, more and, of a coda. And, and from Khabib's vantage point, he, he, he believed in eternal life too. So it, there is a mourning there, but there's also a test of our conviction because if you're his faith, he believes that there's also a, um, that, that his dad is, is, uh, is eternal. And, but continue on. You, you're gonna... Yeah. Well, I was going to say now, um, what, um, what I gather from, uh, interviews and what I've, I've seen, um, other, um, uh, UFC commentators or ESPN commentators say is that, um, really he wants to get out of the, get out of being the fighter and be the coach. He wants to ascend to, uh, he wants to ascend to his father's role now in a way, you know, he's in, in, in death, uh, his father promoted him in a sense to being the coach. So, you know, Khabib's already has his legacy made, you know, but he really wants to create a new legacy in bringing forth all of the fighters coming, you know, we're going to need to get really good at pronouncing names now, you know, see a lot of them coming. Now he's, instead of just him fighting for his own, uh, for his own record, his efforts are going to be into bringing forward the next generation. So really that's the thing to look forward to. And I, I want to say, by the way, if you hear my puppy barking or, or making sounds in the background, uh, I, I may jump up real quick just to calm him down. He is all seven months old, and you just found out he is—he's—he's he's pretty big. He's seventy pounds, you know. Yeah, Khabib was wrestling bears, and I'm wrestling Noah's hundred-pound, seven-month-old uh, dog. There's this old English sheepdog, and uh, he's quite the watchdog. Uh, he'll hear—he'll hear other dogs barking, and he lets me know. So, but but staying with this theme of when someone died, we saw it Buster Douglas when he beat Mike Tyson, not. You know, shortly before that fight, his mom had died. I've done just just tons of. I can't. In fact, I can't recall a single episode of in a major combat sports fight where somebody died and the athlete had a really like sucky performance. I don't recall. I got I got one name I want to throw out and just let's just compare the two. More, not not really the contrast. But let me go. Let me go into. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna write down this name. And you're gonna see it. So when we talk about, we talk about the benefits of say training jujitsu or wrestling. The benefits to the soul. The benefits to, um, to, sculpting us and, and, and improving our character. And. 
when someone, you know, so we talk about the catharsis, right? To have an avenue, to have a ventilation, a place to park your anger, a place to park your hurt, a place to park your depression. When I was uh, some years ago, I had someone that I loved who was very sick. And when my loved one was very sick, the only place my mind would stop, the only place I had peace and solace was in that. You know, I would train once a day, six times a week, a lot of times twice a day, six times a week. And it was the one place where the, such a great hurt was upon me. And I felt, um, I felt that, like, I felt that therapy. And I was able to turn it off when I was on the mats. Amazingly, I didn't think about, mm -hmm. my mind didn't drift. I did not think about. So when, even with a guy like Khabib, there's probably no better place for you to be. Even though I know his dad was there every step and he's used to his dad's voice. He's used to his dad in the corner. He's used to his dad in his training camp. Nevertheless, what's the alternative? When you're, when you're hurting, when you're mourning the death of someone you love, what's the alternative? If you're not training and fighting, if you're not running sprints, if you're not running hills, if your training partners aren't pushing you, if you're not, you know, uh, fixated on a goal, like a, a serious challenge, then you're sitting at home or you're wherever. And that hurt. That hurts times 10. It hurts worse because you need a distraction. When someone warns, yes, you need time to make sense of it. You need time to pray, whatever you do in mourning. But you also need some distraction. You need time to just turn it off. And having a training camp and having a guy like Gagey there waiting in the wings can light a fire under you. Like, look, I have to, I have to be better than I've ever been. And there's also, and there is something to be said. There's a lot to be said for dedicating a fight like to your father. You're going to be way harder to beat, bro. If you sat there, if a fighter and Khabib, in all of his in his Muslim faith, he's the kind of fighter who's like. I will dedicate this to my dad. You're not going to get a rollover, Khabib. You're going to get, like, he was a very aggressive Khabib. He was more aggressive than people thought he would be with, with Gaethje early. He was walking Gaethje down. And he was very aggressive. He was trading leather, trading punches with Gaethje, daring, giving Gaethje his best chance. The other thing I was thinking, though, and I, I do want to still go deeper into this death thing, but... Gaethje, we have to remember, as, as awesome as Gaethje looked against, say, Ferguson, beat Ferguson up really badly and throwing everything, you know, jabs and, and everything else, great combos. Tony Ferguson is not a wrestler. He's not an elite wrestler, and he doesn't pose the threat. So Gaethje could stand up and just focus on his combinations. He could focus on boom, boom, boom. He could focus on jab, boom, boom, boom. He could do that. You obviously cannot do that. Nurmagomedov's wrestling is probably the best we've ever seen in MMA. And he, you know, the threat of that can, can paralyze a striker. Guy who's a, who's a really good striker can go down a few notches worrying about uh, Nurmagomedov taking him down. And I knew that Gaethje's biggest weakness was going to be when someone put him on his back. Everybody has a weakness. Gaethje's biggest weakness. Gaethje's tough as nails. He hits hard. He's got really good cardio. He's got... Tremendous grit, but I knew just deductive reasoning. I hadn't even seen him. I'm like, he has a weakness, and I'll bet you it's on his back. Mm -hmm. And it, and that's what happened. Connor McGregor was better off his back than 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 Gaethje. I mean, Connor lasted longer on the bottom. Connor McGregor, who's not even from a wrestling background, right? Gaethje wrestled in college, so people thought he, that means he'd be able to stuff the takedowns. But the way that Gaethje stands and everything, he stands pretty straight up. It's like 
I knew, I just knew I'm like, when I looked at the stars aligning, I'm like, Nurmagomedov's dad just died. He's going to have all that motivation. He's going to dedicate the fight to his dad. He's going to have all that hurt. He's going to channel it. And then Gaethje's not going to be the same striker because he's going to have to worry about the threat of a takedown. And it's also in the United Arab Emirates, which is a heavily Muslim country. So it's like Khabib has almost got the weight of all. I mean, the way that guy like that fights, he's fighting for, for Allah. He's fighting for Islam. So, you know, that's, so I'm like, this guy is going to be hard to deal with. And quite honestly, if you watch Khabib's fight 29-0, we've never really seen him hurt. We've never, I mean, he's got a very good chin. People forget, like he's got a great chin. We've never seen him. We've seen him get hit, but. He's never been hurt. He's tough. And and Gaethje, Gaethje couldn't put Ferguson, even though he beat up Ferguson, he didn't put Ferguson away. And I'm like, well, man, Nurmagomedov is almost is, is definitely all, probably physically as tough as that. So if you can't put um, Ferguson away, you, you beat him up bad, but you didn't put him out, you're not going to probably put Khabib out. And Khabib's got to probably put you on your back because Khabib's going to be shooting. And he's, and he's got great takedowns. And he's got all-day cardio. So when I looked at that, I loved – Khabib in this fight made it look easy. Um, but and Emma, let, let me let you interject now. And I, want, I do want to talk a little bit more about like some of the motivations and the psychology and just dealing with death in real life too, because that's a thing that it's a hard thing for a lot of people, especially young people to deal with. Like, you know, I've seen suicides. I've seen a lot of stuff. You see people die before the time. And that is a part of life that, can zap a lot of people. Sure. Um, well, you know, um, th- this is, I want to um, twist uh, or I'm going to pivot the conversation a little bit and we'll come right back to it uh, because I want to mention, um, you know, the, the contrast the custom model passed away uh, with uh, Mike Tyson and how that changed his, changed his legacy um, through his fighting. But, you know, there's another perspective on, um, on how down, and that's to look at the UFC and how I don't know if I want to say it maybe or maybe not the UFC, but you know the UFC had to know the organization had to know that um, that he was looking at retirement. I mean, this is not he said it before. You know, people were like saying maybe he'll get to thirty. You know, do thirty and he'll put in a, a McGregor fight. Um, but I think I think it was kind of all, you know pretty much common. It was an open secret that he was looking to retire here. Um, now, that being said, uh, did you hear anything about what Mike Dolce has reported about? Have you seen this controversy yet? Oh, oh Mike, I know that. Yeah, Mike uh, Dolce, uh, in the last 48 hours, has put out a video, and he highlights, um, he highlights something very interesting that happened at the weigh-ins. Um, between Khabib and Justin. Yes, yes. And I think that, you know, there's so many aspects in this. And the reason why I bring up that as an open secret with Khabib uh, looking to uh, retire, there is a major controversy going on with at the weigh-ins now. Because if you watch the video that Mike Dolce put out, it shows that the, uh, uh, the guy, the regulatory affairs person goes in and you know how, okay, this is a scale, right? And, you know, the little part at the end where the weight goes on. Literally what happened is that, so this is this is the lever with when we step on the scale. And what happened with um, uh, uh, Khabib 
He got on scale, and and as it's going up, the the regulatory guy moved the moved the moved the uh, weight thing off before it went up and sunk back down. Because normally it goes up and it sinks back down to where you are. It was on its way up and did not it was did not stop. Mike astutely points this out, and he and he has he if more than anyone else he has the credentials to say this. So kudos to him for identifying this um, uh, discrepancy or something that is off about this. And something like something small like this is a big deal uh, because it looks like. It looks like there's a bit of controversy about this. That uh, you know, it could be his body language. Uh, you know, he looked like he was fairly well. Uh, you know, they did him with a towel around him. Um, and then when Justin Gaethje came in, everything was normal. He came in the the this the scale, the indicator went up and it sank back down. And then, like normal, the regulatory person moved it off of there. So I mean, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't heard about this, I've but yeah, no, it's shocking. It's, this is like interesting, um, but let's just, you know, um, how to take that. You know, there's so many details. There's so many elements into a fight. And I bring up about the UFC's perspective and having, you know, one of their great stars um, retire um, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't want to allege anything, but it's just, that's just something to bring out. And every every time you put together one of these events, there's going to be little things. And I would like to see uh, uh, the organization address this because I think that it, they need to address it. And because you need to hold to you need to hold everything to its finest level, you know, because Khabib comes at his finest level. These these are you know these are phenomenal fighters. And for something like this to taint the record um, would be, you know, it just takes away the greatness. But yeah, I, that, I, I haven't, up. I have not. Sorry to sign. sign yeah, I, I have not seen. I'm, I'm not aware of that. I mean, you're telling me it for the first time, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that. I mean, we all want to see that that I, I that that everything was as it should have been. But I'll just say that I think could be previously has said i want to fight i mean i want to be him and his dad their vision was 30 and zero 30 wins zero losses and then we retire and so now he's 29 no there had been talk that he would fight george st pierre at what weight you know, whatever who knows but that was a fight that interests him um and who, who knows you know but but i know that when you look at the fighter, especially when you're in Dagestan, so people when you know, you were talking about the iceberg and people, people see this, but they don't see everything under, right? They don't see, they see you successful. They see somebody make a lot of money, be successful, but they don't see all the hard work and all the sweat and all the suffering, and all the sacrifice and all the discipline and all of the doubt that goes in and the fear that goes in that too to accomplish big things. There's a lot of landmines. For a guy like Khabib, we just saw the career, whatever he was, 13 wins, 14 and zero, whatever he was in the UFC, 29 and zero overall, arguably the best to ever do it. I think, I think from my recollection too, Khabib, I think has only lost one round his whole career. Never seen him injured. He lost one round on a judge's scorecard 
And that was the Connor fight. There was a judge or two judges that gave Connor one round. Those are the only rounds, the only wow. round the guy ever lost. So I, I, no offense, I love John Jones. I love Anderson. They're flashy. Um, I'm going to say that Khabib is probably the best to ever do it. That's just that's my opinion. Um, and uh, you know, 29. No, you can't argue with that, right? Now, now John Jones. John Jones's one loss is disqualification loss. So we're going to remember that. And John Jones did fight any and everybody, but John's had some razor thin fights too. I mean, he's had, you know, the Gustafsson fight. He's had you know, the, the Reyes fight. John's yeah. had a lot of stuff as well. I love John Jones. I'm all for the redemption of John, but John's had a lot of stuff outside the cage that has undermined him too. When you just look at like the best to ever do it. Um, anyway, I, I personally get my, but when you, when you look at why would someone retire fairly early? Well, first of all, it's already been in his consciousness. Him and his dad have already talked about it. 30-0 was a number that him and his dad had talked about. Um, secondly, you know, you get – when you think of motivation too, I think he's 32, 30, 30. You know, GSP retired at like 32, and then he came back later. But GSP was 32 when he retired, okay? There have been the Mendez brothers, both the, the Mendez brothers in jiu-jitsu, like 24-year-old, 25-year-old guys, multiple-time world champions. The peak at the zenith, they could have won way more world titles. I mean, well, a lot of I've seen some greats in jiu-jitsu retire while they were on top and not stick around. But, but I think when you're from Dagestan too, like they raised those kids from like age two or three years old to be like just tough kids and fight. You know, they raise them where you, you know, you fight your way out of things. You have a fighting spirit. You don't take stuff from anybody. If you get beat up, you go back the next day and you, you fight them again. They're that kind of culture. So this guy's been living this for you know, 25, 26 years. He's been living that code. That's a long time. So it's not just what we see. What we see is, yeah, you had a 10-year career. You've been in my brain for eight years while you're retiring. We only see the eight. It's the iceberg. We see the eight years or the 10 years. We don't see, no, 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 no. I've been running my body hard. I've been cutting weight, suffering, cutting weight, 180-pound guy trying to go down to 155. I've been yo-yoing my body for a long time. I've been dealing with the pressure of if I lose, even though he's awesome. But there is that fear, even for the best of the best. They've been dealing with the pressure. And then also you're at a point where you're a world champion like that, and it's like you reach a point where you – you, you really only have – you don't have as much to gain when you're that great, when you're in the conversation for among the greatest ever. You have no losses. Pretty much you're there. You have a lot – you don't have as much to win anymore. You know, GSP would be a fight that makes sense for him financially, but there's not many other fights there that would make sense where he, he beats GSP, he gains something. He beats even Tony Ferguson, where he doesn't really gain anything. It's like we already, we already think that he's maybe the best or one of the three or four best. It doesn't improve your opinion of him if he fights Tony Ferguson or he fights Connor again. It doesn't. If he loses, then people think, eh, maybe he wasn't as great as we thought he was. And what people don't understand, I've said this when, when GSP retired at 32, and I predicted it, predicted it in advance, that, that a fight was his last fight. I predicted it. Because he was starting, GSP was starting to take damage in fights. The Hendricks fight, the, the, the Condit fight, the, the Diaz fight. He was starting to take damage. So guys were closing the gap, and I could see that. Like, wow. And then, you know, be, leaving on top makes a lot of sense on the financial level. Because 
If you can leave while you're on top, your potential for sponsorship money over, let's say, if you look at you, you know, they have like in Hollywood, they have what's called, I think it's called Q rating. Q rating is like, you know, The Rock or Noah Green, you're a celebrity. Like, what's your what's your Q rating? And The Rock's number is probably, they, they have a number that they ascribe right now, like year after year, which is The Rock is worth 800 million or whatever. It might be worth a billion dollars. I'm sorry, Rock, if you're, if you somehow wind up watching this, it might be worth a billion. His Q rating is a billion, like him. And then you've got another athlete that's worth 500 million. And you've got, like, my old friend Dana White is probably worth 750, 800 million, whatever. Right? And you've got Floyd Mayweather, a billion dollars. LeBron's probably got a $2 billion or $3 billion number on him. You know, long term, they have a, like, what is this guy worth? What's the minimum? They, they sort of put a value tag on you. What's the minimum just to talk to that guy to get a sponsorship out of him? Don't call LeBron unless whatever. So you already know that. And when you do that, as you get bigger, you start realizing if you retire today, okay, if you're a pro athlete and you're a legend in your sport and you retire today and you've never had a blemish, you've never pissed hot for steroids or anything like that, because everything, everything that Q rating, you're, a, you're an elite fighter, you're the, maybe the best, but you get a loss, hurt your Q rating. It can. You get popped for steroids, hurt your Q rating. Get in, in bed, get caught up in some controversy, hurt your Q rating. You know, so you so now the sponsorship money in terms of hey, what is Khabib worth for the next twenty years? A hero in Russia, right? Hero in the Muslim world. What is he worth? Any sponsorship? You're probably. I'm just going to conjecture. If he wants to be, that guy's probably worth ten, fifteen, twenty million a year in sponsorships. I mean, I think he's one of the most po- popular athletes in terms of Instagram, like number of followers. I think he's in the top. 15 or 20 in the world. He's got has tons of Instagram followers too. So what's he worth? He's worth more actually. If the UFC said, hey, Khabib, here's 12 or 13 million or whatever. I'm making that number up. Here's 12 or 13 million for your next fight with Ferguson. Here's 20 million for a fight with Connor. Sounds like a lot of money, but guess what? Over a couple years in sponsorship, if he wants, if he has good representation, he can get that. He can get that money in terms of sponsorship but if you lose that that potential for – you know, it can fade real quick. You lose a couple fights, you're still worth something and you're still worth a lot. But you're not worth like you are the Midas touch. Like You, you are infallible. You've never so, been beaten. You are the standard like any product. It's like now you're distinct from everyone else. Right now, he is in a rarefied air. If you lose one or two well, – I mean, Gaethje entered the fight with two losses. Like you're, you're not the same. When, you, when people love – people love – Whatever, a lot of wins. Twenty-five and zero, and zero. Thirty-five and zero. People love when they see that number. Even if you're fighting bums, like in boxing, people fight not very good fighters. Even if you're fighting bums, Edo Kansas, they call them boxing. If you've got thirty-five and zero, and you've got a big following, and it's hard, bro. That's like wow, people love that. Lost your, you know. Yeah. So, so you're protecting that too. You don't have to make weight. You don't have to the heart the hardship of your you always think your dad should be with you. He's not. You're always expecting his voice in the corner, but it's not. You're a Muslim too, and there are other things because this guy is super religious and he's super in, 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 in engaged in his faith. This is a guy who there are other things. There's a whole code. This guy. Uh, there are other things. I believe Khabib when he says that there are other things more important to him than money. I believe that. I believe that that. We don't. A lot of us don't understand that in America, but some people have a code. 
where some things are more important than money. His why has never just been money-based. It's not the number one or number two. It's not. It's clearly not for him. If it was, and he wanted the quick money, if he was an instant gratification guy and he wanted the quick money, then they would say, we'll give you Conor McGregor for $30 million or $35 million. Yeah, I don't think his motivations are going to go there. he doesn't there. want them. Yeah, it, I don't think. And, and how does that fit into Endeavor's uh, – you know, framework where, you know, the only way they can play this now is, is they play off the mystique and say that now he has a brand and that brand is not from his own fights, but from his, from the stable of fighters um, that, uh, I don't know if you saw this. He put put Dagestan on the map. We about Dagestan, but regular people didn't. By the way, the the world didn't know this region. They produce, they just oh, yeah. churn them out. They churn out these little warriors left in them. By the way, I, I just got to say. He's the poster boy of that. It's been about a year or, or less or so that I've sat with you and, and talked to you. And this is the force of jab, by the way. This this jab. Because I, you're, you're, you know what you're doing when you do that to me? I'm like, he's measuring up his distance with me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, by the way, we, oh. we got Hicks and. We got Hickson Gracie here. Hey, Hickson, legend. Love you, man. I used to sit, stay up late at night. Noah just had this, happened to have this. I'm touchy. I've always been. No, well, yeah. I've been, you know, I, been now, now that I've, you know, after a year of doing this podcast uh, and I'm learning more, you know, I'm learning the importance of the jab because uh, I was never really in the future. You know, I, I, I did was. I'm more into the jits thing. Um, and best, so, best weapon in fighting. If you if you if I got to start with one, I've always said you got to start with one. We're going to build a fighter from scratch. Number one thing I'm picking is a good jab. Yeah, um, you know I, um, I but I do want to um, delve a little bit. Um, let me check our time real quick. Is um, we're, we're good. We got 20 minutes uh, left on this. Um, I wanted to. Um, uh, play out a little bit about uh, how, you know, how do you see Endeavor, uh, you know, which is the owner of, of UFC, how do you see them um, positioning as an organization, as a brand, uh, the fighters coming out of Dagestan that are coming out from under uh, uh, fight school or, you know, um, how do you see them uh, playing? Do you see them setting up? And here's where I'm going at with this. Um, I mentioned custom model, Mike Tyson, and you know, that relationship, um, it's a storied relationship that, um, is one for the ages, you know, it's one for the ages. And here now you have, uh, Khabib and passing his father and how the storyline, the narrative you can create here, or, or actually just absorb is if you watch in the next five years, you're going to see uh, Khabib's handiwork come out, and we're going to have. We're, here's what I here's what I'm going to throw out for consumption is that as a result of this pandemic, you know, there, there's a lot of like and bad things that happen of it, but this is all been a quite uh, quite an opportunity for the UFC to extend its brand to a global brand and kudos again to the UFC 
and how they have expanded upon um, their brand and they've gone global. They're, 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 make, yeah, they're making it. I mean, they've always had a global perspective. They've always wanted to take it global and aim global. But the COVID-19 has sort of accelerated that where, you know, even the number of fighters on any given card, you're seeing a lot more Russian fighters. You're seeing a lot more countries represented. Um, and yeah, it's, de it's definitely moved toward a much more global rather than, I mean, you know, we always said Las Vegas is the mecca of fighting of, of, of the best of elite boxing matches, championship, you know, UFC title fights and it, it's the Mecca, but we are seeing a shift. We're just not seeing a lot of, a lot of that in the news as much. We're seeing the cards, you know, like you said, we're going to have to learn rightfully. So we're going to have to learn how to pronounce some of these Russian names. Yeah. Um, but that is the beauty. I mean, and we, we noticed this when I worked at UFC years ago, we noticed this too. We noticed that you could go, this is even 15 years ago. 15 years ago, you could go to a UFC event and you could, you could see the Americans cheer for a Korean is fighting an American and the people are cheering for the Korean, like a Korean zombie mm -hmm. or a Canadian American he fights an American and people are cheering for the Canadian, like the Americans are cheering for the Canadian or Americans are cheering for the Brazilian or Americans are cheering for the Russian. Like, this is the, you don't see that in boxing as much. You hardly ever see it. If you go to a fight and a and, uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao is fighting a, a Mexican like Marco Antonio Barrera or Eric Morales or uh, Juan, Juan Manuel Marquez. The Mexicans there are going to be cheering for the Mexicans and the Filipinos are cheering for Pacquiao, period. There is no, like, inter, you know, mingling of it. But, but UFC is very unique in that, like, I thought that the, the biggest moment from Khabib last night was like you said at the end of the fight he he falls to his knees and he starts crying in the canvas and I guess he stays there for a while he stays mm -hmm. there a prolonged cry a prolonged like sobbing and then Gaethje comes over to him and Gaethje like hugs him yeah and is you know consoling him and like and that's a that's a moment where a lot of people were touched by that because of the story, they know where, where Khabib, it's not because it's Khabib's last fight. And, you know, I guess he takes his gloves, you know, that the symbolism between taking his gloves and leaving them on the mat. But a lot of people were really moved um, by that Khabib. Because the other thing is Khabib is so stoic, just like Fedor. He does it. He shows some playful emotion. He's more playful than him. But relative to a lot of other athletes, he's, he's not Ali. He's not Connor, right? Khabib is a, is a more stoical, more... Matter of fact, no nonsense guy. So for him to show that emotion, a lot of people were touched. I mean, I saw people that were friends and people that were professional journalists, and they were they cried. They cried mm -hmm. when they saw that moment, like because this this guy is, um, you know, he it's it's showing you there's a genuine storyline, right? Um, that this is uh, that was just a very very touching moment. You know, you could feel his pain. He's been there. He. Khabib, let's say this about Khabib. Khabib is you, he's a good guy, man. He, well, I don't want to get I don't want to get poetic here. He's a good. But, he, he's, um, a, he's a guy that you kind of you really empathize with. I empathized yeah. with him before that. Remember, and this too. And I, you and I talked about this the other day. Listen, there are some people in the UFC that have the look, and they kind of get promoted more early on, 
and they get a lot of red carpet treatment and they're groomed to be the next star. And they kind of get like, it seems like some of, some people get like, you know, some pretty favorable matchups to climb that ladder and get a shot at. And Khabib, they, he went the longest mile. He went the longest road. He went the securest road. Uh, he yeah. was done no favors in the matchmaking. He wasn't a, a glamour a glamour boy. He wasn't a poster boy. He wasn't – it's almost like he wasn't someone I think that they expected, like, this guy is going to reign. He could be the greatest ever. He he went the long road. They didn't do him. I love UFC. I love the matchmakers. But they did not do that guy any, any favors. They put him through the gauntlet, and he earned every bit of it. He came from nowhere. I mean, he came from nowhere. Um was never a big talker. You have to look at him. You know, he's one of those guys. Khabib's one of those guys because he doesn't talk a lot. He does talk a little bit in the fights. I don't know if you saw the video of him fighting Connor. They, no. Oh, it's it's great. It's and I love Connor too. But like, they should just they should just do a best of Khabib talking to his opponents as he's hitting. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 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 kind of funny. But they could really. See but he's it. not a big talker outside of the cage. Uh, and but but he's one of those guys who just grows on you. Fight by fight, like you see him. Yeah. He's one of those guys that that grows on you. You grow on you. You don't understand him at first, and you don't know what's going on in his head, and he's quiet, and you don't even know how good he is. You don't know what to make of him, and you just see him fight after fight after fight. He fights the same, but you know you, you think, well, that he fights the same, so that's not going to work against so-and-so. Okay, well, he fights the same. It won't work against him that. He fights the same, it won't work. Then at some point along the way, you're like, he doesn't have a lot of personality, but he does have a wig. And then at some point, it's just like, dang, this guy grows on me. And then when you see – when you see his code, you know, even if you're not, mm-hmm. you just see his code. Like the one thing I respect, his code might not be my code. It might not be your code. It might not be your code. But I respect that it seems the best I can see is that dude lives his code. Yeah. I respect that about him. He's not just – that dude lives every beat. He walks to the beat of a different drum. He's all about his code. It's not money first. And like fight by fight as you peel back the layers of who he – who is this guy really? What's his code? What's he about? How good is he? Every fight, you're like, damn, this guy, like, this guy just grows on me like, like, like no other. Oh, sure. Well, you know, if you look at it from a lens, um, I'm going to get into a little bit of symbology here. I want to wax a little poetic, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, fits a, he fits an archetype that, um, you know, is that there's a mystique around, uh, around these kind of fighters, you know, that that um, the narrative is taken a hold of, you know, there's a narrative around this. And, um, you know, we talk about the death uh, of his father, um, but I, I want to kind of just hold on here for a second. You know, there's a little gossamer veil over things here. I want to, I want to put at, mm-hmm. and it's look at, you know, there's the symbol of uh, symbolism of, you know, he retired you, I don't I didn't see, but you say he left his uh, gloves um, there in, in the octagon. And, you know, if anything, this, this global pandemic, we've had, uh, you know, over a quarter million Americans perish, uh, a million, I think. I'm, I could be wrong with my numbers. I'm not that or I think it's a quarter, 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 quarter. quarter of a million Americans. So Americans, right? Yeah. Quarter of a million Americans. Contributory, not yeah, okay. Contributory at different. But let levels. me stick with my. Yeah. Let me stick with my. Uh, stick with this. So, uh, this this is symbolic, actually, of the death of what I would say. You know, we've had this is big year of death. You know, where we, we he's retired, uh, and it's also the end of, if I'm not mistaken, 
the end of the UFC's presence in Abu Dhabi for this run. They've already had that. So that was the retirement. Um, I don't think they have any of the fights there, do they? I think they're done. I think they, they all comes back to the U.S. for now. Mm-hmm. And so out of that, out of that, you know, we had this. And it is, you know, seasons are in transition mode right now. You can hear probably a little knocking in the background. That's the wind blowing in the house because we're kind of starting that transition into winter, getting into that, you know, um, to bring it full circle with, the, with the, just the 10 minutes or so we have left. You know, what winter brings and, and what I say, bringing it back to the West in yoga kind of thing, you know, they talk about the West being and West is the death, you know, it's, in four directions, if you get into Native American practice, uh, the West, it, the direction of the West means of the death. Okay, it's it's a closure of things, and I would say that this is really the closure of the UFC being, uh, you know, just a, a national or a, a, a hemispheric brand, and it's the end of that. I mean, North America, just, yeah, just yeah, primarily yeah. in North America and South America with with Brazil. Uh, you know, in the in Central America, but it really is the end of that and the beginning of something much bigger. Um, and that's and that's the you know now we have where you're going to see global fight fight camps. You know, truly, truly global, not just not just you know northern southern hemisphere, not just a few fighters going to Thailand and training out there and coming back. Really, it's going to be you know what the UFC has experienced is. We have got to grow beyond. You remember they used to have a 500, you know, they would have a 500 fighters on the roster. Now I think is an opportunity for them to really uh, upstart. And you're going to see maybe Bellator uh, get a lot of power out of this. You know, they're on ESPN now. Um, they're going to be, a, you know, it's a truly global brand. And they're going to have a much different um, experience going forward. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think that this is something that could actually be in the Olympics in about, you know, in one to two cycles? You think that you do you think that MMA could be something that is uh, an Olympic sport? I don't know, but I, I'm not I'm personally not as big of a fan of that as as others, because I think like as an amateur in Olympics, you don't get paid and you're taking like a lot of damage. I don't know how as a coach, if I was a coach, if I was an agent, I don't know how I feel about that. Like if I'm putting my fighters through the gauntlet, my fighter has to make weight, I'm putting miles on my fighter's body, the risk of injury. I don't know how I feel about, um, about, um, about that. I know that maybe people could say it's good for the sport, but it's good for who it's good for the promoters. It's good for who it's good for the, Who's it good for? I, I mean, I don't know how that's good for the young athletes who don't get paid. Yeah, and take a lot true. of risks. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. Um, I just want to throw that out there yeah, to you. I, I don't know. Now, I, I, I'm sure I'm in the minority with that. I'm sure I'm in the minority. Um, so I don't think I speak for the, the profession or the industry, but I do speak for me. And no one's changed my mind. I don't. I don't really love the idea. You had guys like even. There have been guys in boxing, even coaches like Emmanuel Stewart, had like 250 amateur fights. I mean, what's the point? Like, that's wow. a lot of abuse. You know, Oscar De La Hoya, the guy Lomachenko who just lost to, to the kid Lopez. I mean, Lomachenko had like you know 200 and some, 300 and some amateur fights. Like, that's a lot of 
of abuse in the body, man, get paid. I, I just say, you know, this is a rough way to go about it. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a fan of Pam, you know, Pam, the least we can do yeah. for someone sacrificing their body. Because at the end of the day, listen, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, this is a, this is, the sport is very taxing. It's very challenging. It's an easy place to get. It's an easy place. I mean, at the end of the day, you are getting hit, punched in the cerebellum. There is a, that brain is smacking against skull. And at the end of the day, uh, it's, it is a business. Well, what about jujitsu? You think uh, Brazilian jujitsu could make its way into the Olympics just to, uh, Throw that thought out there. I, I would love to see it. Yeah. I, I would love to see it. The thing that the, the Olympics helps, the Olympics just helps with the people who aren't yet convinced, people who, who haven't bought it. For some reason, once the Olympics puts their stamp on things, then the sponsors follow suit. So it just it it's leads, Main Street. It, it leads to an influx, right? And I think that I, you know, I, I it's really just it's just up. it's just a badge. It's just a credibility. If most people were really smart, you wouldn't need. I mean, Olympic. Olympic champion is just a world champion that happened to fall on that every fourth year. It's a world. It's it's nothing different. You're a world champion who happened to win it in the every fourth year in a in a in a, in a big global event that has Coca Cola and all these big sponsors. And at the end of the day, it's a fancy name for world champion that has like this historic like two thousand year old. It has a great name. There's a lot of cachet to the name. And people when they hear Olympic for some reason. If you said I'm a world champion, like wow, you're a world champion, wow. But if you're an Olympic champion, oh, triple wow, quadruple yes. wow, oh, write you a bigger check, wow. I'm the Olympic champion, you're Olympic gold medalist. Well, that's that. I want to write you a bigger check. That's that cute. Now the interesting thing is, you could be a three-time world champion, but you lose in the Olympic year, right? So that that, that fourth yeah. year, you win three world titles. Next year, you go to the Olympics, you lose it. You're a three-time world champion, great but you're not an Olympic champion. Like Olympic champion just has this special cachet. So really, if you almost like marketing, right? It's almost like great marketing. There's, there's more sponsors, right? Like typical world championships, US, US wrestling world championships. I mean, I'm sorry, world championships. There's not as many sponsors as an Olympic event. Visa, Coca-Cola, right? Big Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it, so it had the storylines, right? In the Olympics, they 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 work on more storylines, more narratives, right? Evoking more emotion, people. But again, most people, the reason the Olympics things works too is that it it takes advantage of the fact that most people don't care on every, you know, it gives every four years is, is more special than every year. That's true. Like every four years is like, oh, you know, for some reason the mainstream might not be ready for wrestling every year. But every fourth year with the right story, it's like, oh yeah. Let's feel patriotic. Let's let, oh look at this story of this kid who had it all the deck with her, it was stacked against her, and now she's winning a gold medal. Look at her glowing, and and, and here's a, a a Visa logo on her, whatever you know, on her her jumper as she's warming up. So it's just really a it's a fancy marketing thing in a lot of ways. Um, it's you know it, it's a life changer in terms of you put your your blood, sweat, and tears in this. Can you monetize it? Can you make some money at it? Well, I the think Olympic, that, Olympic gold medalist means you can make more damn money than if you're just world champion. But you know, look at so look at the panache that uh, Ronda Rousey walked in with the UFC with her having, uh, you know, she she was uh, an Olympian, 
Um, and so, you know, her Q score, whatever you want, Q rating, you know, uh, that gave her quite a bit of lift. But I'm, I wanted to, you know, to close People this. People understand that. People understand electrical. Yes, it's a brand. Yes. It's a brand. Even in, in a person who's not very smart understands, oh, you must be really good. That, and I want to just, I, I wanted to throw in this uh, this curveball at you about about this um, because you know with every end there's a beginning, and so with Khabib exiting, you know wherever you know he's exiting the stage now, and so you have one of these greats ex- exit the stage, um, and but you we need to start thinking through of like how will the UFC come back with a storyline to rebuild this slow crescendo up? Or are they going to just be going at it with a lot of small hype? You know what I'm saying? You know, Are we really going to have another champion to believe in? Like the ethos that could be brought in. Yeah, that guy. And that's where I'm coming from. What's his name? Uh, The the young kid, Chesmayev or whatever. uh, Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's just. And he's got a little bit of charisma to him. He's got a little, little, uh, little uh, tough guy charisma to him that's very entertaining. I think even at 155, what's interesting is who's most likely to win that title now. Because you got Poirier, you got Connor, you got Ferguson. It's like finally Khabib kind of opens the door for somebody else. So somebody else's life is about to change. Somebody who couldn't, you know, Dustin Poirier, if he could win the title financially, bro, your 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 money, you know, goes way up. You know, your livelihood, your ability to provide for your family and and and, and help your community. You know, someone's life is about to change even more. Again, it's it's amazing if you're number two. It's it's very unfair in, the, in our society. If you're number two, your earning potential isn't near. If you can just go where a guy like Khabib said, hey, Khabib kept you from how much money did Khabib cost these other guys by the fact that they couldn't get the title or defend it? Khabib was a block. Khabib hurt their income in some way because they, they – now, if they can win – Everybody's brand goes up when you win that 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 UFC title. Your 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 sponsorship value. So someone else's life, right? Someone else's life. Dustin Poirier, Connor could come back and win a second one. Um, somebody's life's about to change. You know, Connor's already got a lot of money, but when you have that belt, again, people, fans understand that. Oh, you got the belt. You're the champ. That's all that they. Oh, you're the Olympic champ. People love labels that are quick and easy. Oh, you decide. Let me take a picture with you. You're right. Right. Let me, let right. me do that. People just are suckers for that. And so, you know, I'm sure in some weird way, in some weird way, that there's some fighters out there that couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't get past Khabib, and they're like, oh yeah, now I got now I got a shot at this thing. You yep. know, I got I got a shot to win this. That guy's a you know a tough out, but. Well, it's good to see. It. Let's just you know revisit this topic in in six months, whenever spring is starting to happen, and uh, let's just see what the next sec- next next six months brings us as far as how the story uh, evolves. Because if anything is true, um, it's uh, everything is all. I think changing. what Khabib did to tie to tie this and bring it full circle. What Khabib did is. The Russians already loved him, and they know how great he is. And those of us that are diehard MMA fans know how great he is. But what he did is he forced the West, the Americans, the North Americans, and others to recognize that the Russians are coming, that the Russian fighters. We already knew, but for people who didn't know, like how 
Like he's the face of that wave that's coming of like, hey, and then Chamayev and, you know, others. But they're the, they're the look. What we're seeing in the last couple of years is we're seeing how deep and how good and how daring the Russian fighters are. A lot of us already knew this, by the way. But the world is catching up to that. And now people care more. Like, in other words, I already knew that years ago, how much talent there is in Russia and how hard the Russians fight, how talented they are. But it's undeniable in the last couple of years. And Khabib's the face of that, where it's like he opened a lot of doors to where people who didn't care, because there have always been a lot of awesome Russian fighters, but other than Fedor and other Khabib, people didn't care. People really didn't care by and large. Now they're going to care more. They're going to be, they're going to get past the cumbersome names that are hard to pronounce. They're going to be like, I want to watch that Russian. I want to root for that Russian fighter. They're going to get there now. He opened that up to make it, it's okay to like the Russian fighters and root for them and for there to be a lot of Russian names that are hard to pronounce. It's now okay. For a long time, they just weren't given. They weren't They weren't considered as marketable to, to the pay-per-view crowd. Yeah, isn't they just funny? weren't. They didn't get the loving. They didn't get the loving because it was assumed, well, they're not really marketable. They're, they're, they don't equate to pay-per-view dollars. They don't equate to sponsorship dollars. Khabib shattered that myth. So – he really has, like, he's been a Trojan horse for a lot of Russians saying, can you tap into markets other than Russia? Can you market Russian fighters to non-Russians? Yeah. And he's transcended in that way to open it up and say, hey, you can take Russian fight or Muslim fighters. And you have, you know, you can be a big deal. The whole world can, can love you and you can be marketable. He shattered that. You don't have to be the most exciting trash talker. He shattered that too. He doesn't talk a lot of smack. But he's been super marketable, and I think he surprised a lot of people. So a lot of Russian fighters are going to look like him, Fedor. They really opened the doors to make more people who aren't Russian, who can't speak Russian, who can't pronounce the name, fall in love with Russian fighters, the way a Russian fights. He's well, made it easier for other Russians coming up. And this like is part of the, and and I think that this is part of how um, you know the evolution. You know, as I mentioned, you know, with every exit, there's an entrance. So with every ending, there's a beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, and by the way, we've already we just did an hour here. So um, I do want to um, um, say that it has been a pleasure today so. speaking with you in person, non socially distanced. Yeah, uh, which is finally we've done this, and um, you know, we got in we got in some good material. Um, I felt like we could have gone more into some things, but the time always goes by so fast, you know. So um, with that, um, any last thoughts? That's it. We, uh, wrap we're going to actually shoot another one. So we're doubling up today. There'll be a, another episode. But uh, no, this has been a good episode. It's been, you know, well, I guess we got to send a shout out to Khabib. We're sorry about the loss of your dad. And we just admire you as a great champion and a, and a man, you know, lives his code. And um, and we wish you the best, champ, in, in, um, in retirement. And whatever you do next, and you've just you've been a trailblazer. You, I, I think maybe the best to ever do it, man. We, we saw we saw greatness, and we didn't know some of them. People didn't know when they first saw it. It's a reminder. You think you can spot greatness at first glance. A lot of people think they can. It's hard. You don't know greatness. Sometimes greatness is revealed over time. You got to see somebody's body of work over time. We just think we look at them. People fall in love. Oh, what a darling! This fighter has the look. They have the golden boy look, or golden girl look, and then they fizzle out. You got someone like him who's under, you know, under the radar, doesn't, you know, one trick pony, fights the same way, not charismatic, and 
you can't judge that greatness at first at one fight, two fights, three fights, but over time, the body of work, he starts mounting victories and you're like, wow, we, we watched greatness. So, I mean, just, just an amazing guy. I'm grateful to, to, uh, to have seen a guy like that. Really inspiring. I mean, I really admire him and, and I thought it was, um, really, it touches a lot of people's hearts when you see him fall to his knees and, and, uh, and, and cry like that. Well, yeah, you know, he fits that uh, every man archetype. So uh, with that, uh, thank you very, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, this has been another episode of Everyman BJJ, where we cover everything from fights on the mats, off the mats, and everything in between. Uh, typically on Sundays, 1.30, 1.30 uh, Pacific, 4.30, uh, 4.30 Eastern. Uh, Noah, Frank, and uh, you find us at Everyman BJJ. Thanks. Awesome. See you at this point. That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.